We were somewhere around Davin, on the edge of the system, when the drugs began to take hold. Welcome to the trippiest episode of Zero to 40K, the podcast where I drag three friends kicking and or screaming into the world of Warhammer. With me, as always, to break down what we're reading, my co-hosts. For Sarah, Sarah, hello. How are hello. you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I am great. Are we going to we're going to talk about some vision quests today? Yes. I felt like I should have done shrooms or something, but I did not. Don't worry. Yeah, if it, if we get start getting really weird, it's not because I dosed everybody's beverages with ayahuasca <laughs> partway through this thing. My other co-hosts, Eric. Hello, Eric. Hey. Yeah, speaking of, I'm really glad. Well, first of all, I'm glad that I ate a tablespoon of Morning Glory seeds before coming <laughs> over. Good. But I'm also glad I'm caught up on my Peter Carroll and Carlos Castaneda and all of my this blank faces around me. But it's okay. All of my um, psycho not hippie right. bullshit. Reading. Psychonaut. Just... That's a that's a video game, right? It was. <laughs> was that? It was a. Oh, there was a great video game called Psychonauts <laughs> back in the day. They made a second one. I don't think it was nearly as good. And it's that's an ancient what game. We're talking about right. Continuing <laughs> the thing. It's clearly what Eric meant. <laughs> I do now just really want a Fear and Loathing, uh, Space Marine Road movie though, um, where they where they're trying to find the Imperial Dream on planet vegas I think this is a great idea i think they should <laughs> diversify these like oh you know what i think like star wars and marvel have been doing really well is like having different genres for their different shows and things like that where it's like you have a space western you have a heist you have a courtroom comedy or whatever <laughs> that was the best one <laughs> well, so that being said warhammer actually did a whole series of crime novels um, so and it takes place on this one like Why hive world. Why are we reading? That? Maybe we'll <laughs> get into like some noir. Crime. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, you know how much I love well, yeah. a murder mystery. They yeah. do several. They also they've done a horror series as well, mm-hmm. um, where they have like there's a real gothic horror style uh, Warhammer novel, but it's all Warhammer stuff, so it's still mm-hmm. whacking over the top. But anyway, yeah, maybe you know, hey, we have a lot of books to branch out into. Got a lot of episodes to fill, so who knows where we'll go. But anywhere, anyway, my other host who has already <laughs> jumped the proverbial gun and started talking. Shannon, hello. Oops, hello. Uh, how, I'm doing great. I, I wish it was a little bit cooler. Well, yes. In at time of recording, it's, I think, one million degrees. And I like heat. You know, I I'm kind of like a lizard. Like I need to leave the office sometimes to go just like lay down on the concrete and get some heat going. Ooh. That does remind me of. A long time ago, several episodes ago, I got real mad. Whatever. This is a dumb digression that no one's going to like but me, but I don't care. Uh, we <laughs> talked about him being saying that something was dry as a Talarn sandal. Uh, and yes. that Talarn had not been, like, turned into a desert yet. Because, spoiler alert, that happens towards the end of the Horus Heresy. Um, and that they just had their continuity wrong. And I have now since decided I'm going to forgive the author. And I've decided that there's a headcanon I have that a Talarn sandal is actually just a cocktail. <laughs> like it's a martini. It's and very dry. To be dry as a Talarn sandal, it's like, yeah, no vermouth. And that's it, right? If it's no vermouth, it's dry. Anyway. It's the only if, possible explanation. Yeah. And if that's the case, then there's like stand up comedians that are like, is it too soon to make the dry this drink <laughs> joke now that the planet is a dry desert? <laughs> I just got there. Do I got anybody from Talarn here? And everyone's like, oh, and it's like, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about it. I like it. 
But so now I guess it was Torgaden that was right. The, the only <laughs> he's making the only space comedian. <laughs> he's just going from system to system making his jokes. But if anyone at home wants to design the cocktail recipe, the towel iron sandal, uh, I, I would I would get behind that. I do have to say though, now, now that we are doing slightly smaller readings, I still feel like this was packed with stuff to talk about. Yeah, I me too. Wait. Yeah, I was grateful that we had the and, smaller. Yeah, I have so much to say. I have. <laughs> Dog-eared every page. Almost. Yes. Okay. Well, then I think it just it's turns time. into an audiobook where we just read it. <laughs> but can we read it as well as uh, as what drippy voiced Yugen Temba did from last episode? Yeah. Where that was a key. Some some fine voice acting from from Toby. Yes. Let's dive right in to we're on what they call section part three, the House of False Gods, and chapter thirteen. Naked Horus gets to frolic. Erebus gets what's coming to him, and Ebenezer Horus and the ghost of Astarte's past. So, yeah, we dive in, and we're going to take a, a sharp, sharp turn from zombie fighting and wailing people to a hilarious vision quest where naked Horus wakes up in just an idyllic field. I thought field. The, the ghost of... Astarte's past didn't happen for another chapter. That happens right at the end of this chapter. Okay. But then we get the ghost of future too. Maybe that's what you're thinking of, like a chapter later. The future comes first. Future comes first. That is true. It it, it is the thing. But ghost of Astarte's future doesn't roll off the chapter description (laughs) as well. All right. I'm not following the Dickensian format (laughs) properly, but it'll be okay. Um, But Horace wakes up. He's nude. He's in an idyllic paradise soft grass uh, they keep talking about how wonderful the sweet scent of grass and the crystal freshness of the air and uh he's like well guess i'm dead so so it is trying to figure out what's going on all he remembers is that his name's horace and uh doesn't really recall anything else well he's not wrong that he's kind of dead well sure he is dying was spoilers as we will learn later um the first question i had and so as he's wandering around this place and he's trying to get a grasp on where he is and what's happening and, and whether he's in heaven or hell or whatever, um, he starts to see like visions sort of behind what's going on of this like hellish industrial hellscape. I just use hellish and hellscape back to back. But whatever. that follows up. That will go nicely with the note I have in a second about some <laughs> double double wording in the same sentence. Oh, Graham. Um but one of the first things he says is that it burned into his retinas like a spliced frame of harsh interference dropped into a mood window. What is a mood window? Does anyone know what I that is? I can't believe you don't know what a mood window I is. Do not, I couldn't even look up mood window. No, I don't know what okay, a mood window it. is. I thought you had it down. It, it feels like the way no, if you, like Philip K. Dick would invent technology. That sounds like a Philip K. Dick. Like, like you can look do through it and see people's moods. Or something like that. Or you can well, view your I own mood. Well, I was imagining or, it like a mood board. <laughs> like a vision board on yeah, the like dress. Board. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's going to say yes to the dress. He's got to <laughs> He's naked. Yeah. He needs a dress. Needs. <laughs> that's disheartening cuz I assumed it was a weird Warhammer thing that I didn't hadn't heard of. That's, that's what I assumed. No. It was like a Everybody thought a you were going to be the one to tell us what's No happening. idea what a mood window is, and I can't help but think that maybe it's a well, let's just start off with some old references. It's like Mean Girls, where she's trying to make fetch a thing. Like he's like, "I'm going to put mood window in. It's going to be the next big Warhammerism." And then it never. And then they're like, "Graham, stop trying to make a mood window happen." <laughs> exactly. 
that or our British listeners, or plenty of, I'm yes. sure, are oh, like, are like fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Yanks. Don't yeah. you know what a mood window <laughs> is? Um, it's also, like a windscreen. <laughs> <laughs> but he also does, um, and I'm going to get to it. I think Petronelle has a line later. And I'm starting to see more and more of these. I, I'm just going to call them Graham Grahamisms. Um, where he, I think he speaks, and maybe it's just that he's British, but like Horace put it from his mind and laughed, there might be no hell, but this feels like heaven right enough. And it's like those Matt Berry-esque lines, mm. like, you're a bunch of handsome fellows and no mistake. Mm-hmm. And he just has a, he peppers this book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with these phrases. And I don't know if it's just because he's yeah. British or if that's just how Graham McNeil talks. Yeah. You said you've met him, right? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk. Kind of, yeah. I wish. I wish but everything. I, hey, old boy. You're a game store owner. And make no mistake. Matt Berryisms are not just, he's doing a bit that I feel like old British actors did. Yeah, but. Like, what's his name um, from I, Claudius? Blessed. Uh, Brian Blessed. Yes. Right? Brian Blessed from. Yeah. Yes. And we can tie in. Brian Blessed has done a number of voice acting for. Warhammer fantasy no. novels, not for the Warhammer 40k, <laughs> but he plays Gotrick the the dwarf in a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of Warhammer he, novels. So he does. I mean, I feel like Matt Berry is doing a Brian Blessed impression all yes. the time. <laughs> yes, when we watched I Claudius, I if I looked away from the TV, I thought for a moment that Matt Berry had inexplicably <laughs> appeared in this in the show. Yeah, uh, I, I have a question, and I don't know if this is too early to get to it, but the wolves. So he sees some wolves or like that's when things start to kind of turn. Yes. And the moon. And he's like, wolves, <laughs> <laughs> moon, looper call. <laughs> um, are the wolves Magnus? That was my assumption. That's what I yeah. assume. Cool. Because it says Him and his wolves... like cronies, I think. His little warlocks are in their little circle being okay. like, we're going to get into the vision. I couldn't tell. At first, I thought that was supposed to be Erebus because he was going to get it like he was going to inception him. Right. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was going to inception well, him. And and the voice he was doing for the wolf kind of sounded like Erebus. Gotcha. Oh. So, so I was a little yeah, confused. I assume the wolves are Magnus and Sejanus's Erebus. That's what I assumed as well. Because he Wait. says, uh, at the what? the first time he sees the wolves, the, who are you? Asked the closest oh. wolf. Horace blinked rapidly as its image fizzled like static, and he saw curves of armor and a single staring cyclopean eye. Oh, right. So that's that why is, Erebus right. comes in Sejanus's form. Because he says he's going to yes. look like somebody. Like a friend. I think the voice think just was, yeah. threw me off. Yeah. But that did lead me to one of my notes that Magnus Wolf, because I was like, oh, the Magnus Wolf. And it's like Magnus Wolf would be a great name for like a Swedish action hero. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and then I discovered that uh, Magnus Wolf is not an uncommon Swedish name. Oh. And if you just look up yes. Magnus Wolf, you get a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> They're not even like action stars. They're like no. bankers. And actually, <laughs> and yeah, and no offense to everyone whose image popped up when I looked up Magnus Wolf. You're probably very nice Swedish people, but yeah. they you don't know, look they like Mads probably, Mikkelsen badasses. If we could get the Magnus Wolf audience, though, then yeah. then maybe we would double our audience. When, when all the, more of listeners. All the Magnus Wolfs of Sweden are Googling themselves. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is this episode of a podcast talking about me? <laughs> and it's like, here you go. But anyway, that's a great name. So, uh, yes, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. He's wandering around this alternatingly idyllic and horrifying place. And these this pack of wolves starts running around asking, who are you? Who are you? And he's like. It's very trippy. I like I want to see this scene. This is like the beginning of um, severance. <laughs> but 
in a in a woodland instead of in an office oh, like a conference really? room. You guys about with it like yeah. changing. Oh no no no! I I meant whenever they wake up on the table and they're like, "Who are you? Uh, who are you? Yeah. Don't they say who who are you? Yeah, they have that like entry you? exam kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I also like that. So Magnus, and I don't know, maybe it's a limitation of magic or whatever. But he's like, "I'm gonna help this Horace guy out." And I'm just going to come and just appear as a wolf and just shout who are you at you over and over again. And not something like your horse, Looper Call, War Master, or and whatever. Hey, they're tricking you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this next guy's going to show up and he's a piece of shit. So don't listen to him. Give him but. some like actionable information. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm frustrated that they can talk at all because they do um, the the I don't fuck. It's hard for me to not have a good guy team and a bad guy team. I think they're all bad guys are neutral at best so but i'm trying to distinguish yeah the people that are making happen magic happen to horus say that like if magnus somebody says if magnus interrupts they won't be as powerful in the death realm yeah. as us yeah. so the, the wolf shouldn't talk because to me i could wrap my brain around like i can take an animal form and lead him somewhere but but then yeah the fact that he can say some words but not helpful words i think we can <laughs> say not great. the warp side and the non-warp side maybe okay that's our yeah Bad and good. <laughs> Even though I think again, I agree soon we'll with be you. able to say Horus and Emperor, and that will be easier. Yeah. But right now, we're in a weird flux. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it feels weird because it. This is maybe getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm interested to know because I thought Magnus is also using the warp, but seems to be against what Erebus and them are doing. So I don't. I'm know interested if to all see. Magic is warp. Yes. It is. All yes. Oh, it, it, fuck, it's you're all, right. all your all psychic powers come out of the the sea of souls. Oh my god! Or the yeah, war or so, the Imperium as a million. I really yes. like Magnus, yeah. so I'm ready to just say Team Magnus for the time yeah, being. Yeah, yeah. Team not Magnus. Right. It does seem like. It seems like they're like, well, well, we can use this because we're responsible with it. But yeah. you, yeah. no, no. Well, Magnus and I'll remind. Like, I do it responsibly. Well, and I'll remind yeah. you. Last time there was a hint. They talked about the Council of Nike. Like Magnus is not supposed to be doing magic, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and, but they put him on planet planet magic. Yeah, he he went home to his planet of the sorcerers, where he promised not to do magic. <laughs> it's like I promise I won't do any sorcery. Right. Not here on, on my the, planet of sorcerers. Right. Because that would be completely unreasonable. Um, but getting back, so we keep talking about Erebus, but then we haven't seen Erebus. So he gets around, and yeah, he sees the moon, and he sees wolves, and he puts it together like a. Sesame Street, Luna, <laughs> wolves, Luna, well, Luna wolves, and he like get, grasps it at that it's moment. The sword in the box all over again. <laughs> Everyone is again oh, super geniuses. All of these people, but he figures out that he's uh, Horace Looper, call War Master, Regent of the Emperor, and uh, he has a, a big giant moment that's going to be a huge scene transition. Fantastic. Get off the white coat. That's what they used to call me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and then we cut to Erebus hanging out with the Davenites in a in a spooky lodge, uh, doing a ritual. Um, they're they've they've murdered a poor acolyte and they're eating his heart. Is um, it him or her? The, the acolyte. I think it was who, her. I don't know who died. the dead. I thought both of the is. acolytes were. They women. used she. I think at some point. Yeah. Well, Akshub. Yeah, Akshub is a woman. Yeah, but I and don't the know. The two about... acolytes are women. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I don't know. Um, well, okay. So regardless, I just want to point out a sentence here where it says, Akshib knelt and cut the heart from the dead acolyte. The lodge priest is expertly removing the still warm organ from its former owner's chest. I've heard this kind of language a lot. And I want to say, is she the former owner? Or is she still the owner? 
If you take someone's heart, does it not belong to them anymore? Also, owner has always felt weird to me for like a part of your, your body. body. <laughs> like, yes. Do you own your body? <laughs> like in I, a capitalist? I'm using I'd my say music. it's the only thing I definitely own. Yeah. Right. I'm using my one music token that I will probably use another one of, but the one I sanctioned myself to use to mention the song Owner of a Broken Heart. I don't know how to tie it into here, but I feel like there couldn't be a better time. I mean, that person clearly owns their heart. Yeah. I don't know if broken is the right Their dead heart. It's eaten. (laughs) But I would, I don't know. Savored almost. I'm going to like tonight stubbornly refer to eating as breaking my food. <laughs> well, I'm breaking this fast. You break your fast. Yeah, you break your, well, oh, you break, I guess shit. you break your fast, yeah. Well, okay. So shit. Th- that part, though, I just want to say that felt very Dosh Colleen. The whole passing around a heart and eating it and, you know. Very what? Dosh Colleen. I'm glad it's, usually like I'm the, the one that doesn't get these like references. Like all the, all the old Khaleesi's. Oh, oh, Game of Thrones. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. okay, yes. Yeah. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah. Oh, okay. Those are the, yeah, the old women. <laughs> yeah. Where the, where the women whose calls have died have to go. Right. And then they eat, uh, wait, she had to eat a horse heart at some she point. She had to eat a horse heart when she was yeah. pregnant. Yeah. And then they said, your baby would be the stallion that mounts the world. Ugh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> didn't <Awesome>. happen. <laughs> uh, Speaking of animals, really quick. Um. And the eating of the heart. What does it mean? The last sentence of this first paragraph, um, like that betrayal had been offered unto the architect of fate. I think that means the acolyte's heart. This bloody feast of the blood god. (sighs) And the unlovely coupling of the doomed acolyte with a diseased swine. Yeah. What is that? I mean, I think we got a black mirror. Yeah. So we're we're starting to see more... They've only hinted at it at this point that there's four chaos gods. Well, um, I was actually going to ask chaos gods you, are these thing. all architect of fate, blood god, dark prince, lord of decay? Yes. That really feels like you're leading up to introducing one person. Yeah. <laughs> like the you MC? Know. Yeah, like, like the, maybe, uh, maybe. You know him and you love him. <laughs> the disease swine. Yes. Like I'm imagining then like... Um, like Tim Curry from Legend comes out after you <laughs> do that. Also, did this poor acolyte oh, have to acolyte. have to have sex with the yeah. sick pig before yeah. they cut her heart out? So was yeah. that the betrayal or oh, cutting the heart out? No, the betrayal out? was the killing the acolyte. Because, <laughs> and I don't know how the acolyte. Apparently, you have this acolyte, and they learn all these rituals, and they're like, "So what's the last part of the ritual?" It's like, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, it's like Scientology. You haven't reached the level where you get to know the end of the ritual yet, <laughs> but oh you're going to know real soon. <laughs> wow. And like the other acolyte is like, oh, I'm so glad I got I to be the, the person who learns what like, the ritual is. I don't understand how you ever, ever get acolytes if they see this. Like as soon as this happens, I'm mentally preparing to leave. Well, I guess this acolyte. And Erebus took no notes from this, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll get into it. But anyway, so yeah, there's four chaos gods, and each of those titles is one of the oh. the four chaos gods. That was the line, by the way, that I had noted. Like, it's the most I, – I, at one point with these books, I was going to keep track of what sounded like bad metal album titles. <laughs> yes. But, like, that whole sentence yeah. is, like, a whole verse of a metal song. And he uses the bloody feet of the blood god, which I think we talked about in the past, that he <laughs> they like to, so like, do blood. that fleshy flesh. Yes. Of, yeah. <laughs> Another note that I want to bring up that I'm sure didn't land – but it's an insane thing about space marines is 
He wolfed down the last with his Erebus eating the heart, feeling the blood run down his chin and tasting the final memories of the betrayed acolyte as the treacherous blade had ended her life. Now, that just sounds like it's kind of a magic-y mysticism, whatever thing that he has. But it's actually because all space marines have an organ called the Amophagia, which lets them eat people and gain their memories. What? And that's just and that a has not come up shit. yet. I know. <laughs> and they just throw it in in this one weird oh. bit. And it's hardly ever. It's one of those things that I think they threw into Space Marines a long time ago. And now every author is to very solve un- like one problem. Yes. And every author is very uncomfortable reminding people that Space Marines can eat people wow. and get oh, their man. memories. You know what we need to do, though? Huh. We need to get Rob Thomas, not Rob Thomas from Matchbox. Okay. <laughs> Rob Thomas from Veronica Mars and iZombie to make yes. an iZombie type show. Aya Stardays. Aya Stardays, where they eat dead people to uh, to solve their murders. Solve yeah, I was gonna say, crime. Do they yeah. get all have of their memories? Have you seen or how to solve it? Is, oh, yeah. It is always vague. Like sometimes they get whatever, whatever. they need for the yeah. plot gotcha. to, to get it across. I'm not a big fan of procedurals, but I like iZombie. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, space marines can eat people and uh, get their memories, and that's just a thing that uh, they can do and hardly ever do, but there they go. Was that like a planned thing for them, or is it like an unintended side effect that someone unfortunately discovered? No, like the Emperor's building all these organs to put in these different space marines that do different things, and he's like, yeah, this will be cool. (laughs) Talking to the geneticist, they're like, you want us to what? No. (laughs) Um, you know, man, when you eat an organ, <laughs> you get their memories. <laughs> I don't know how I can explain this any clearer. <laughs> and it's so like almost all of their abilities are just very straightforward. Like they have two hearts, so they have some redundancy and they have this like organ that makes their bones really strong. And like they, they name there's like all these organs that they name in the lore and they're all pretty straightforward. And then you get these occasional ones like, oh, yeah, they eat people and get their thoughts. And this comes up a lot. It comes up very rarely because it's so weird. And okay. I don't think most of the authors like to write about it. And then you occasionally get an author that really just like, ha let's fucking do this. Graham would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I just talk about the planning ahead, though, that they do at this snake temple that I really liked? Hmm. It says blood pooled beneath the corpse, trickling into channels cut into the floor before draining into a sinkhole at the center of the circle. I really appreciate this kind of home design. Yeah. <laughs> They're thinking about the purpose. It can be it can be both attractive and functional. But this there was some past ritual where it was over and they were all just like caked Ooh. in blood. And they're like, that was a successful ritual. But I, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I do have to do so much laundry when we're done. Well, I, I feel like mop. I've always thought this. When we see people doing rituals, it's usually in like basically a concrete slab with like a symbols written into it, you know. But it's I'm always like, where is that going? It reminded me of the thing in Cabin in the Woods at yeah. the end that all the blood like runs into with the lines. Like, that's what I was imagining yeah. in my head. I think there's a blade. I think it's. I was going to say. I thought there was like a number of vampire. Yeah, a good ritual trope. Yes. (laughs) Um, The other thing in this scene I love um, because I like anytime somebody tells Erebus he's a piece of shit, Um, (laughs) and it's just I don't know. I like. I think a weird humor bit that Graham McNeil put in that I respect, but uh, they're talking about that the. There's another presence, a one-eyed ghost who walks between worlds and seeks to return the son to his father. 
And Magnus, you old snake, chuckled Erebus, looking up towards the chamber roof. You won't stop us. You're too far away, and Horus is too far gone. I have seen to that. And then Akshub's like, who are you speaking with? And he's like, the one-eyed ghost. You said there's another presence near. And she's like, near, yeah, not here. <laughs> and it's just this, like, weirdly, like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, I'm talking to the ghost. And it's like, I did say they were said they're around, but, like, not in the room. They're not listening to yeah, us. Like, metaphysically near. Not. Don't be crazy. It's just such a funny thing for Erebus to get wrong. <laughs> just go into his villain well, speech. I think he gets a few things a few things well, wrong. Yeah. Old the, man yells um, at Clem. I have to say, and this is where I'm like, which side am I supposed to be on? Because I kind of do love Akshub. Me too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Akshub's delightful. Yeah. Just, it's like, you stupid ghost. And it's like, oh. it's not in the room with us, buddy. Actually, speaking of Akshub, you guys interested to hear her? Oh, Who's yes. This? I think okay. Akshub's got a good voice. I support Women's rights and women's wrongs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Action. Big fan. For your sake, it had better be. Aksub. She smiled and held the knife out. Your threats mean nothing here, warrior. I could boil the blood in your veins with a word. Or rip your body inside out with a thought. You need me to send your soul into the world beyond. But how will you return if I am dead? Your soul will remain adrift in the void forever. And you are not so full of anger that you do not fear such a fate. Erebus did not like the sudden authority in her voice. But he knew she was right and decided he would kill her once her purpose was served. Um. I love that. I'm glad you included that little line at the end, because I do also like Erebus being like, good point. I'm going to kill her later. Like, I, I wanted to cut to like an internal monologue of it's like him kind of quirking an eyebrow and being like, I'll kill her when I get back. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so she was great. I I do think that maybe Toby has kind of a, a set kind of evilly voice ish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he likes a lot of rasp. He likes a lot of liquid in his mouth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And he really kind of clips those Except syllables. Except for unless he's Samus, I guess. Well, then right. he's yeah. dry. It comes from like the back of the throat mm. a little bit. Um, but then th this section ends with my favorite bit of they're finishing the ritual. They've daubed him with ungents and all the things that they need to do. And Akshub's like, well, just one last thing to do. And Erebus is like, wait, what? What one last thing? And she's like, your death and slashes his throat. Yeah. He, and she did an American horror story. Yeah. Yep. And again, <laughs> they I, love doing it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I just like that again, Erebus is watching this ritual and they're like, Oh, this is where we betray and murder a, an acolyte. And it's like, cool, good thing that will never happen to me. <laughs> Everything's fine. I love it says he's suddenly suspicious <laughs> right before. Like, here's what I want to know. If they if the betrayal is part of it does that mean they can't know ahead of time and what if you secretly do know will it just not work they're yeah. like mm. i think there's two acolyte career tracks and one's very short yeah. and one's the one that gets to know that these rituals require mm -hmm. a betrayal and one's the track where they don't get to know and yeah they but what if somehow it's not a betrayal like they they're like i know they're gonna kill me but i'm gonna do this anyway then will it not work how vital is the betrayal piece? i think the betrayal is key okay. i think the architect of fate wants a betrayal okay. and then i think if you think that that person has figured out that there's a betrayal then you have to, have to get a new person or like find that person and be like okay so i know that 
we're going to say that we're going to kill you, but actually I'm killing. Like, then maybe mm. you have to kill the other acolyte. Ooh, <laughs> and that's why there's two. Betrayal. So yeah. you can be like, oh, I know you figured it out. So actually we're going to get this one who thinks that we're not mm-hmm. betraying them. Do you think she actually had to kill Erebus or do you think she just kind of wanted to? For <laughs> I mean, fences? a little column A, a little column B, probably. Yeah. yeah. She like heard his thought and she's like, you know what? Kill me, will ya? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, then we get back. We get back to Horace. And Horace is back in his vista of unsurpassed beauty, and everything's great. Um, so, so right there at the beginning, whenever they say, you know, Aster's back, and and they describe him as being beautiful, but Horace is kind of like quickly like, well, Loken says he's the most beautiful person, so no homo. Right? <laughs> yeah. That really does. I mean, it, it seemed like it was like aggressively like i can't call haster sejanus yeah. the most beautiful person but someone people are saying <laughs> yeah it felt like i wish i had brought um the last book with me to pull up the way that like they talked about haster like in dan's version right um, it's like taylor's version versus <laughs> <laughs> dan's version um mm. because yeah it felt i said this off Mike and said I would bring it up this time and I'm going to because it came up a lot here, especially since we have Sejanus back. They took out all the gay. Like, yeah. He's he was so it was like he's so beloved and like he's my favorite. And they really waxed poetic right. about his beauty all the time in the first book. And yeah, it felt very watered down this time where he's and just here like, are the two hunks of the book, yeah. like the hunkiest of the hunks. Uh-huh. And earlier, like when he was describing that, like. Horace was completely naked in this like idyllic <laughs> landscape. That was a perfect opportunity <laughs> to get real gay with it. Mm-hmm. And Graham just didn't go there. And then they were disappointed. Then they just gave him a robe. Yeah. yeah. And now he's back in his armor, I think, at this point. And he's like not he's excited to see Sejanus, but like not any more excited, it seems like, than he would be to see any of his yeah. more so of we- all dead bros. Yeah. It could be either either or or. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't we don't get to see much of him quite yet because it cuts mm-hmm. back to Loken and yeah. Torgaden. Yeah, Loken and Torgaden being mad. <sighs> With the funniest exchange. Like the funniest exchange ever to me. Do you guys? Okay, so <laughs> Torgaden says, Garviel thinks Erebus is behind what's happening to the War Master. <sighs> Torgaden. <laughs> <laughs> and then Loken shoots him an exasperated stare. And. And I'm like, why was I feeling the exasperation that Loken was feeling at this? I'm like, he thinks that you think that I. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I don't understand why Loken seems obsessed with keeping this secret. I don't think he is. I think he doesn't want to be the one to break this news. But Loken's too quiet. I I also read it, though, is that Loken doesn't want anyone to know he's investigating Erebus for some reason. Yeah, but like, I also don't know why. Oh, I thought he his exasperated stare was because Torgaden said Garviel thinks, not uh, we think. Oh, no, 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 no. I think it's because he's trying to because then he's like, Tara, keep your voice down or everyone will hear. Like he's trying to convince him yeah. not to tell everyone. But then I, I like that they say you're joking and he says <laughs> not, not this time. time <laughs> <Nero>. <laughs> I know I'm always joking. <laughs> Full of laughs. Uh, um, so my theory about that is that Loken, 
you know, when he's been hanging out with Sinderman, he's been reading a bunch of like detective novels to kind of get himself prepped for this investigation. And, you know, all of those have that parlor scene where, you know, they could show up and it's like just one more thing. And then like they lay out the whole crime and he wants that moment and he'll lose that if everyone's like, oh, it's Erebus. You know? So he needs to have like the big surprise reveal on the ventral spirits bridge or whatever, where he's like, but Erebus, there's just one thing I don't understand. <laughs> and then he like does the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so he's worried that Tarek's going to blow it. Blow it And for he's him. not going to get to do that moment. It is funny, though, that Torgaden is like Garfield thinks, even though he fully also thinks he that. Was, yeah, he mentioned it to Loken first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I know what you think, because I also think it's. <laughs> but um, maybe he, you know, he's worried that Vipus here will be like, well, if Torgaden's saying it, but Loken's a pretty smart guy. Well. I, I like how also Horace just kind of, well, do we have anything else to say about Loken and Tolkien? Uh, just I like that he, Loken hops back on to his Thunderhawk to zip up to the Vengeful Spirit and he leaves Vipus and Torgan there and it's like, hey, just um just make sure nothing bad happens. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, just ba- bad, just don't let a bad thing occur. And I wrote it's that like, Loken splits the party. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> well, and just with the most useless, like, bad things are actively happening now and it's like yeah, yeah. but don't bad and they're like why are, why are you going he's just like sunglasses on to get some <laughs> answers <laughs> doesn't explain anything yeah he doesn't like, i thought he was going i thought i did not know if he was going to see yeah and then i thought he was maybe going to see carcassy or something yeah I, don't know. I was just gonna get some answers but i like you want then the follow-up scene to be them following him to the thunderhawk and being like we have time you can't explain what you're doing. He's going through pre-flight checklists. <laughs> it's like, it takes a while to get these things going. You have all the time in the world to explain Yeah. This. But anyway, then we're back well, to Horace and Sejanus. Yes. So that's what I wanted to say. He was exactly as Horace remembered him. Perfect in every detail. The noble face, wide-set eyes, and firm, straight nose that could be a mirror for the war master himself. So he... Yeah describes how perfect this man looks and being like you know who he reminds me of Uh this guy pointing thumbs at himself is what i'm doing right now but (laughs) i just feel like these guys are so full of themselves and no one more so than horace who almost becomes aware of that oh so close so close close. i marked that too (laughs) he was like oh you were almost there yeah uh, we also have another another one of these gramisms. You're a sight for sore eyes, my boy. Just <laughs> all of these that he loves. Just just so much of Horace being in love with himself in this whole like vision quest. Oh, yeah. This is uh let's see. You're a man of strength and ambition, and they know there is no other being in the galaxy powerful enough or worthy enough to do what must be done. So that's fake Sejanus. And then Horace is thinking to himself, despite his satisfaction at being so described, Horace did not like what he was hearing. And it's like, you almost, yeah, you're like getting pretty close to realizing. I mean, and flattery gets you absolutely everywhere with Horace. Yeah. yeah, Everywhere. We got into it before that Erebus, like, they seem to be trying to present Erebus as this like master manipulator, but it is the easiest job in the world. (laughs) Like... You just be like, well, I mean, you're so awesome. And this guy talks shit on you. So like, because you're awesome, I'm behind you 100% if you want to go fuck this guy up. And he's like, yeah, Yeah. you're right. (laughs) Yeah. And normally I wouldn't tell you, but I just love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's just shameless how 
Yeah, and Erebus is like laying it on thick and it's like working perfectly. Like Um, I wanted to just say my favorite exchange that made me laugh the hardest was um so Sejanus, fake Sejanus says like he'll be here soon. And so that's not the first time I've heard that recently, said Horace. From where else have you heard it? demanded Sejanus. A wolf said it to me, said <laughs> Horace. <laughs> no i made that note too and i love that he's like i know i know it sounds ridiculous it's like you're in a vision quest dead world where you're talking to your dead kid you know like but a wolf talking to me that's bizarre yeah graham does something in the section that i was really happy that he did he sets up a trope that happens in a lot of tv and well just media in general where Horace is like, where are we? What's going on? Janice is like, soon you shall have the answers you see or whatever. And then Horace is like, no, tell me right now where we are. He actually does it. And it's like that never happens. Yeah. 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 So it's like you are doing a bunch of bullshit and I do not approve. But yeah, so Sejanus lays it out that they're in the warp, um, that none of this is real, um, that they've got to go to this gateway that because he's he's his body's on Davin dying and and. Sejanus has got to work with him to figure out what to do so he can get back to it. Um, he also says, and I have a, a weird amount to say on this subject, but he's like, come on, that gateway is our only way out, cried Sejanus, heading toward the light. As a great man once said, towering genius disdains the beaten path. It seeks regions hitherto unexplored. You're quoting me back to myself, said Horace, as the wind blew in howling gusts. Why not? Your words will be quoted for centuries to come. That is an Abraham Lincoln quote. That oh my God. is from a speech Abraham Lincoln gave. Wow. So I don't Horace know. Street Cribbin from. Yeah. And it's not a, like a super famous speech. It was like one before Lincoln was like really into politics a bunch. He was at like a young man symposium kind of thing. How did you know this? I looked it up because I'm like, that quote cannot just be one that he pulled out <laughs> of nowhere. Like Ooh. Graham McNeil did just write this quote because wow. um, it's weird. So and. But in Graham McNeil's defense, the quote, and he's, I think, being cutesy with it, is the speech goes on to talk about how much you have to be scared of people with too much ambition because they're going to try to take power and that we have to have a governmental system that will allow people to be like, whoa, 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 friendo. You can be president, but you don't get to be king or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing. Like we have to have a system where people aren't going to be uh, uh, content just being a congressman or just being president, they're going to want to be more powerful than that. And we have to have a system where the people have the power to say, nah, you don't get to be that cool. Mm-hmm. So I think Graham McNeil was doing something cutesy with it. But I also like the implication that, like, whenever Horace goes into meetings, he has like a little note card in his hands and he's like, well, you know, towering genius disdains the uh, beaten path. He's got quotes.com up. He just saw that. Slate. He saw that on somebody's Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> the Imperial, yeah. Their mood window. Oh, that's oh, what yeah. a mood yeah. window is. It's just uh, like nice font quotes <laughs> yeah. um, that are usually misattributed. Mm-hmm. Like Horace is going to be the, what's his name? Um, Samuel Clements. Mark Twain. Of I like, I couldn't come up with Mark, Mark Twain, <laughs> but like he's gonna be that where like every quote anybody has that's cool, they just attribute it to Horace. Okay, yeah. But on to chapter fourteen. Never go full Jesus. <laughs> Share Loken accomplishes nothing, and Horace comes eye to eye, wink with the truth. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, so we get into him, him getting to visit. Well. 
I don't know if you guys all put this together, but Horus visits Warhammer 40,000 um, in this chapter. <laughs> so that's the the thing. He is now going to the world of Warhammer 40,000 and seeing the grim, dark awfulness of the current setting of Warhammer um, that Erebus is like, this is what will happen on our current course which includes you fucking everything up. <laughs> so they're doing a very Greek tragedy cutesy. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely a Oedipus. Yes. Um, but that we're seeing, uh, he's on this world that is filled with people praying to the emperor. And it's just like this entire like over the top awful shrine world. And there's people with bloodied feet, pilgrims walking and things and like angel creatures with trumpets saying prayers and plucking people out of crowds and yeah there was some official who was human only from the waist up yeah he's but it was like, like a steampunk half robot yeah mounted on that like sounded a very grotesque yes it's very warhammer is what it is so uh, he's seeing all these horrible things um and he's uh. he's being convinced by not Sejanus that, you know, everything. This is this is the Emperor's plan is to make himself ascend as a god. And of course, the thing that gets to him the most is he sees a bunch of statues around the statue of the Emperor, and there are a bunch of his brothers, but there's no Horus mm-hmm. statue, and that makes so him say, he's got FOMO point. more than anything else. Right. Yeah, it's like religion aside. About it. He left me. And out. I wonder if um Sarah has this on their list too. I have a specific sentence. Do you want to? I don't it might be the same one. So I had the sentence where um he said the crowds flowed around him as he listened and Horace saw that once again, no one paid him the slightest bit of attention. Not since Horace had parted from his father and brothers had he felt so isolated. Suddenly he felt the pain of being confronted with the scale of his own vanity and pride as he realized how much he thrived on the adoration of those around him. And it seems like he's realizing he was just about. Yeah, there. he's about to have this self-realization of, oh, I'm so my vanity is so, you know, out of bloated, like I re- require constant attention and, and adoration. And instead of doing any self-reflection, <laughs> he just starts beating the shit out of people yeah. <laughs> in this vision and being like, he's not a god yes. like, about the emperor. I did point out that he has a little he, he mice and men someone yeah. to death where he like shakes somebody because he's so mad at them. And then he like breaks their neck and it's like, oops, I... he's like so close. Yeah, he almost saw. Yeah, none of this, none of his horror here seems to be at all about the weird rise of this emperor religion. His problem is that he's not a part of it and he's not being worshipped in the way he feels he should be. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, Horace does straight up suck. <laughs> yeah, he's just super, like, I thought he was a cool guy, but he's not. Like you've all said, he's uh, he's just super mad that there's no fancy statue of him. Um, we also get the names of a, a number of his brothers, a number of which we've heard. You know, we've heard Gilliman, we've heard the lion, we've heard the unfortunately named Ferris Manus before. Um, one that I did want to bring up is Korax. Um, there is a Primarch named Korax. His name is Corvus Korax. And uh wanna take a guess at what his legion's name is. Are they the crows? They are the Raven Guard. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Crowy McCrow Crow needs the Raven Guard, and it's okay. Um, but there there we are. Again, all of these were named in the 80s before they came up with them being good ideas and now they're stuck with them um we also get jagatai khan who is one of my favorite primarchs that we will not get to for a while mm-hmm. but uh um, and then we get back to uh loken yeah yeah we just have him wandering around <laughs> doing the thing being the uh the mice many people to death oh 
Uh, well, before we go on, I also learned what the word Cenobite meant, which I thought was exclusively from Hellraiser. Yeah, I thought that was just Hellraiser. It is not. It is apparently a monk that lives in like a commune, like oh. not a monk that lives on their own, but oh. like a monk that lives in a group. So like feels like most monks are Cenobites. You know, honestly, Cenobite sounds like a microscopic being that lives on our skin. <laughs> like those eyelash mites that, yeah, yeah, yeah something like that like, but okay. i guess i didn't know what it was yeah so anyway because the use cenobite is used and i was very confused and then at the end of it it lends with him going full jesus yes and falling to his knees raising his fist to the sky and saying father why have you forsaken me which is right out of the bible that's how the bible yeah, yeah. straight that's out of the bible straight out of the bible oh, wow. jesus, it's like, a horus quote i don't know why <laughs> we're having so much he also here. saw that on instagram <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Horace to tell Loken, like when Loken's mad at him later and he's going to be like, why did you abandon me? And it's like, no, Loken, when there was only one set of footsteps, that's what I carried you. <laughs> I'm going to make gonna be a, thing. a list of quotes that I think are from Horace. <laughs> <laughs> and I think our fans should do the same. Yes. And send them to us. Yes. To the Loken part. I have a very, very important thing I want to talk about, which is the line, Vadden had nodded dumbfounded that Loken had returned something he could actually use. Okay, so I just just want to rewind this just a little bit. So as you may remember from the last episode, was it, it was Abaddon was freaking out. Everybody's freaking out, but Abaddon especially. Yeah, he was like choking the apothecary. And we joked that they were like, maybe you could go find the weapon that did this (laughs) or something. And we joked uh, they just want to get them the fuck out of there because they're going to kill someone. Right. They've already killed many people on this ship today. Um, and when he goes and does the thing, Vadden asked, he's like, what? <laughs> did not expect it. To- he's he's like, you did what? It's like whenever you send a child on a on a on like a goose chase of some sort and then you end up having to actually do something about it. Or it's like, imagine like sending a kid off and it's like, no, no, you're going to go hunt for snipes and then they somehow bring something back <laughs> right. that like is apparently a snipe and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like you were not supposed to find a thing. I just, uh, I really laughed at this, <laughs> at this part. But yeah, he did just send him on a... Uh, Wild goose chase to get him the fuck out of there. Yeah, well, I mean, again, Abaddon strangled him. So I can see him being like, you know what? Fuck all y'all. And you need to (laughs) get out of here. But also just the lack of belief that Logan was smart (laughs) enough to do anything helpful. Well, yeah. (laughs) And I'm starting to call him (sighs) as he's investigating that he's now Sherlock and he's really trying. So I'm excited to see what kind of science they can science with that. Uh, Oh, Mel? I like how you like Warns him not to cut himself with it. I don't know why that made me laugh. Too. It's like, now be very careful with this weapon that killed the war master. I don't know if you know. He's like, oh, I was just going to maybe yeah, just grab juggle it. it. Maybe Vadden is well known for being clumsy, like uh, like Walter doesn't want me cutting things or shredding any cheese around here because I did cut off a chunk of my finger. I kind of patched it back on this week. We're you shouldn't be allowed there. around knives. That's the lesson to take away. Yeah. Um, uh, then we get to Yeah, he goes Cinderman. and chats with Cinderman. Um, and uh, says he hasn't been he hasn't moved. How long has it been? I, a while since they'd last spoken. Bottles of water and discarded food packs lay scattered around the table. And the haggard Cinderman now sported a growth of fine white hair on his cheeks and chin. Those so are not he's bottles of water. Are those, water? <laughs> those aren't water anymore. They were at one point. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he literally hasn't moved. Yeah. He's like, 
a kid playing World of Warcraft like, for hours. <laughs> yeah, he's surrounded by by Doritos I, and Mountain Dew. Yeah. I'm disturbed. Mountain Dew. I am disturbed that World of Warcraft is also my touch point for men filling up jugs of <laughs> milk jugs with urine. But yeah, and then I like uh, there's a bit where. Cinder- Garville said Cinderman without looking up, you came back. Is the War Master dead? And like, I don't know what tone he's trying to say. Like, he's not even looking up. So it seems like he's just reading his book. He's like, sup, War Master dead yet? No, and it's like. I don't think that's how they. I don't remember anything interesting about how that was said. Well, but. no. And then because, yeah, he's upset that he doesn't know any facts. And it's like, well, why, why aren't you at least interested enough to look up from your book when the guy comes in? But. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, then he wants to learn about, and we have a whole anthropology lesson about snakes. Yeah, but it feels very, I wonder how much of this is him improvising to make history seem more cool and exotic. Oh, and he always has exactly the book that he needs for it's like what's... Most of these myths were probably enacted, enacted, chanted, danced, or sung more often than not in a hypnotic or hallucinatory state or states. Uh I feel like he's just making that up to make it seem cooler. Oh, I am confident that the person I want to play Cinderman is the guy from the History Channel Ancient Aliens <laughs> series where he's just sort of well, rambling about nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, snakes, snakes mean immortality. Moon represents birth and death, obviously. And the snake does so. So but on the Earth, you know, I feel like it's just like he's he's, he's grabbing every he's book with an arm's reach. Throwing pages open and being like, uh, moons, man. Yeah, that's on this page. Yes, and I, I know, I know that, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to insult, uh, anyone here who might be into tarot, but it felt very much like someone doing dream or tarot Mm -hmm. interpretation and making it up kind of just based on how they felt. Did a read of Loken when they came in the room. (laughs) I did a cold reading. Yes, yes. He's like, okay, he wants to hear this. Um, but I, I'm sorry. You can be okay there. <laughs> yes, I just, I just remembered the, oh, the like the passage when he's like, I didn't think anything of this. <laughs> yes, oh. yes, thank you. I started just howling. That made me laugh. <laughs> so, so for context. <laughs> so for context, they're talking. They're because Shannon cannot handle this. They're talking about <laughs> Satan and chaos and the dragon and all these things like tying together. And then Cinderman's like, you know, I just found this new book, the Book of Adam, which is incidentally an old Egyptian knot book, which conveniently is apparently translated into something that he can read. Yeah. But whatever. He's like, I just found it quite recently. Didn't think anything of it. Wait, just, I don't think this means it. Just a little passage I found that seems to be just nothing. And it starts, I am Horus, forged of the oldest gods. I am he who gave way to chaos. I am that great destroyer of all. I am he who did what seemed good to him and set doom in the palace of my will. Mine is the fate of those who move along this serpentine path. I couldn't get anything out of that that seemed relevant. The imagery is just so obscure and opaque. Like, I don't think I can parse it out. There's no way for me to read anything from that. What do you think it means, Logan? (laughs) And, well, and then it's funny. You say that. I didn't understand the 
Logan's like, I can't, I can't be putting together these metaphors and shit. You just need to lay it out for me. This guys. is your job, Cinder. You're asking me. I had to put the sword next to the box. <laughs> like he heard that chapter and he's like, what the fuck does that mean, Cinderman? I don't get it. Bones no, make me mad. Oh, God. I don't have time for metaphors, Wartlook. <laughs> it's not even a metaphor. But if there is ever a, a, a sentence to sum up Loken... I don't have time for metaphors. This yeah. <laughs> one, and for I'm me. no student of poetry. <laughs> These are both. We know. Accurate. We know, sweetie. Shannon, uh, Shannon did you make it? Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah. yes, that is. I, I know it sounded like I was dying over here. I'm I'm alive. That is such a wonderful. But I bit, just I really, forgot. It's really fun. I forgot about it <laughs> until I saw my note, and I just I just immediately before even talking. <laughs> <laughs> and there she goes again. Well, the, all the like serpents, the Satan. Yeah. Like, so, we've got yeah. the phrase fishwife. We've got drama queen. But the word Satan, yeah, as we spell it, is it. lost. Yes. But it's now S E Y T A N. Yeah, he's, like he's talking about the protein. Yeah, the, I know. I was actually, I was like, this is a. This is wheat gluten. It's not yeah. safe for right. Sarah. No, I can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> also because it's a root of chaos. So as we Yeah, know. I mean that too, I guess. Um, but yes. So and then Cinderman leaves with the and at its most basic level, it speaks about the death of the universe again. No big deal. He's not concerned about so, but it. But I don't know who's going to cause it. Or, like, we uh -huh. can't know. I mean, at least not literally use his name. Right. Like, I am Horus. Yeah. <laughs> it is the least. It, it could not be more on the nose. And they are having a hard time grasping it. These are very subtle metaphors that Grant McNeil sees. <laughs> well... And, you know, Loki doesn't have time for that. <laughs> Anywho, then we get back to Sejanus, uh, which I like how this starts, that it says He's that Sejanus found him on the steps of a vaulted basilica. Like, he just let Horace go moping around. And now he's just like sitting like with his chin in his hands, like, mm, I'm sad. Sejanus just comes up like, hey, buddy, you know, how, yeah. how you doing? He finds uh, Horace. And uh, the doorway is flanked by tall skeletons. And I want to know if those are from Home Depot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I was imagining. You know how people will dress those up for different holidays? Maybe one's, mm -hmm. one's on one side dressed up for Christmas and maybe one's dressed up for St. Patrick's Day. Yes. <laughs> Which these have gotten out of hand. I was at Lowe's the other day and now you can get like an entire like spooky skeletal band. Like of all of these giant things. Like the and, 12 foot tall ones? Yeah. I need that. Yeah, there are so many now. I mean, no, you're right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but they are really. They're Walter in. just doesn't understand. There's just so many. So many to choose from. Anyway. Uh, so we have. Yeah, he's, he's talking. Horace is super bummed about everything he's seen. And so Janus is like, hey, you gotta. You, we gotta go to the next vision. We gotta go to. We're, this was Christmas future. We got a Christmas pass now. Um, and they head back to this mysterious laboratory yeah. that they're looking at. And everything's all very sciencey. And and Sejanus reveals that they are on Terra at the dawn of a new age. And so we're back at the beginning. Um, and the reveal comes out that and it's like there's a scary door. 
And <laughs> once again, Horace is scared, but he's not scared. He no, admits but he it admits it. Right. He admits, yeah. He, I, yeah. Yeah. All caps, I write it. I wrote that. Horace yeah. acknowledges fear. We all... He we all had that. Finally, believe so. Maybe just Space Marines can't feel fear, but Primarchs can feel fear. But uh, don't have there. And he really doesn't want to look no. behind that door until not Sejanus does the. Uh, I didn't think you were going to be such a pussy about this. <laughs> you know, like it's he does. It's he really a, just not subtle at all. <laughs> like Chorus is the easiest person to manipulate in the entire world. So the last bit, though. Horace wasn't listening. He was staring through the glass in amazement at a pair of liquid eyes that were the mirror of his own. Dump, dump, dump. Yes. But uh, how is that a dump, dump, dump moment when we he's been staring at his own eyes every fucking day? Well, <laughs> okay, they, this would, to me, one, he knows he was basically grown in a lab, right? Why is this so crazy to him? I mean, I don't. they don't know. I what? don't think they understand exactly where they came from uh, and how they were made. Okay, because none of this seemed like a surprise to me. So why is it a surprise to Horace? Well, hey, I mean, he didn't. He grew up on, you know, this other planet of Chthonia. And now it's revealed that it's like that they weren't like his. I don't know if they like wondered where their mom was because they're all like, we're the sons of the emperor. I don't know if maybe he just thought that there was a mama emperor out there yeah. somewhere that they didn't talk about. But or was it like ego? Was that the name of the was that the name of um, Star Lord's dad? No, oh, yeah. ego. Yeah. Uh, did he just go around to different planets, fucking his way across <laughs> the universe? Just leaving, leaving people um, behind. No, but like I didn't understand why he was so shocked because he sees identical clones to himself. One he is talking to right now. Why? Why is he so surprised by this? I think again he doesn't realize that it was so. I guess clinical. So, like, just being crazy. He's someone birthed him. Right. <laughs> or maybe he just thought the emperor built him, or like, yeah. out of, like, magic or something, you know, like, a he's divine. So pro-science, though. Yeah. Yeah, because he why seems upset later when he thinks it's magic. Like, cause I don't want to get too far ahead oh, into chapter right. 15, but, yeah, I yeah. was confused by that, too. I, if I thought, if I was, like, a very pro-science person, and I knew I was basically Jen Hance, and I mention it to everyone at any moment. That's <laughs> drop possibly, of that. Uh, would I be surprised to see myself growing in a science lab? No, I would not. I would say that makes sense. That's where the Jen Hansing happens. And at this part, he for this part, he's he's staring in amazement. I mean, I think it's also he, as we see later too, he does not seem to grasp time travel at all. <laughs> Like, he seems very puzzled about being in the past and what that means and how it's not now, but also it's the past. So Horace is. But this is confused. actual time travel. This isn't really. I mean, Sejanus isn't quite Jacob Marley here. Yeah. And I don't know. They're really there. It's hard to say whether it's a vision or whether it's a a thing. But I mean, he he interacts with stuff. So in there. is Horace. Uh, maybe this is actually this is next chapter, so I'll hold on to it. Well, we're about to go into the next chapter. So chapter 15, Petronasi, or is it Carcanella? <laughs> <laughs> Keeler hosts a prayer beating and Horace has a hard time grasping time travel. So, yeah, we, we get to we had this. Your mileage may vary. Dun, dun, dun moment. <laughs> um, but then we get to what I want is just the spinoff show of Petronella and Carcassi. Hanging out because I think those are actually the two characters that I want to see 
interact with each other right. the most. Well, Coming up with a ship name for them is the most cursed thing you've ever done. Just <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw that out there first. Carcanella. I like um, mm, Sounds like a hazelnut spread. <laughs> but maybe with something disgusting in um, there. <laughs> but Carcassy's just, thr- he's running around the ventral spirit, throwing his his new sweet poems around. He wrote a bunch of angry poems about space marines murdering people. Um, which, if you all recall from last episode, half of this table is on board for. Yeah, you know, if there's anything every single character, human, Astartes, whatever, has in common, it is their egos, their need to be flattered constantly. I feel like that's almost universal in the 43. Okay. That's why I like Saul Tarvit so much. We got to yeah. get back to my boy Saul, because he's just like, man, I just want to be a really good sergeant. Mm-hmm. Just want to be this cool guy, does my job real well. I don't have to be weird like Lucius and Idol and all these other assholes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So this is where I wrote: Are Petronella and Carcassi finally going to get together? God, I, I, I hope so. I've been thinking that since we met her. I'm like, she would be perfect. They're the same level of like, um, wanting to change history with their art. They both are very full of themselves. Yeah. I think they would be a good match. Yeah, except for she's blitzed out of her mind mm-hmm. and he introduces himself and she's like ah, oh, i know that name you write poems and he's like ah and she's like shitty ones and he's like oh <laughs> yeah like, he's just so well and here's something that i want to mention and this is a this is a note that's in the positive about carcassy is he hasn't said anything about her figure or anything like sexual about her which yeah. is a first i don't yeah, know first. I don't. <laughs> I did not know that was possible. It's like apparently, if you're drinking like four bottles of booze, Carcassi's like this person. She's on my level. I'm I'm, I'm okay with her. So, um, but yeah, she just blitzed and and then she's explaining about how she became the the documentarist for Horace, um, and that they're going to sit down and tell a little story, and he she is going to blow his mind. Because she tells him the whole story of what Horace revealed. Mm. And that yeah, she's just but destroyed why, by it. If you're a journalist who has the scoop of the century, <laughs> the millennium, the whatever, <laughs> why would you immediately blab it to another person in your profession? <laughs> I mean, she's drunk as hell. And, yeah. and it was shattering. I mean, it's not like after she got the story, she's not like, oh, I'm going to break this big story. And more like everything I thought in I my knew. world is a lie. Yeah. Um, I also liked his his joking name for what her memoir will be called Vengeful Spirits of the Vengeful Spirit. And I like that both Dan and Graham are like, let's spirit and vengeful spirit. That's a there's puns to be had. Yes. <laughs> let's let's make sure we do this. Um, I, of course, am a diligent reader and remember. But for everyone who's listening, who may be forgotten, what? What does she know that's so shocking? <laughs> oh, and that's best. The, the Primarchs fight. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Hilariously. I mean, tame. I knew that. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I can't imagine how such a mind blowing revelation could have slid <laughs> off of you um, when it's so shocking. It's, it's been so well hidden until now. Yes. It, right. the, they all thought that they didn't have emotions. Right. You can't get a Primarch upset. They're perfect in every way. Yes, as we see all the time. Yeah, you never see them make rash decisions or anything like that. The other thing I like, and maybe, I mean, they just have good PR people, but like we've seen mostly the pretty cool Primarchs at this point. We've seen Horace, who's, you know, ah, I'm a cool guy. And we've seen Sanguinius, this gorgeous angel boy. We've seen <laughs> Dorn, who's, you know, pretty, yeah, he's stalwart and good. 
a number of these Primarchs are psychopaths. Yeah. Like, you will learn later as you meet them. I can't imagine how any, like, it's like, oh, some of these people are just lunatics. <laughs> um, and how people can have this vision that all these Primarchs are these, like, perfect people that would never fight or anything. So, Where does Crowboy fall on that spectrum? Crowboy's a pretty cool guy. Okay. Crowboy's a pretty cool guy. Um, but I think the one that we talked earlier, Conrad Kurz, the Night Haunter, uh, he is a straight-up lunatic. <laughs> so... Don't see how people can be like, oh, yeah, that guy's pretty all right. <laughs> so anyway, and then we'll get to anger on more later. Who's you'll be shocked, angry. <laughs> so again, good names. Um, but we get done. Um, Petronella is telling Carcassi the whole story. Um, we're back to Horace in the lab demanding to know why he's been brought here. He's just blown away by he can't accept that this this sterile lab is where his story began. As if, again, most people have like are birthed in cool places, but, um, and that this is how, and, and not Sejanus lays out that this is how the emperor started his plan of like making these godlike generals that are going to conquer the galaxy for him. But it's all just a, a laying up to him taking over the galaxy and becoming a god. Um, we also have a little moment. It's a little, little cute moment for those of you who are 40 K people at home. He stopped by the tank with eleven stenciled upon it and placed his hand against the smooth steel, feeling the untapped glories that might have lain ahead for what grew within, but knowing that they would never come to pass. That's a little cutesy reference that ever since the beginning, there's been two legions that have a mysterious past that they never reveal what happens to them. And they're the second and eleventh. So he sees the eleventh and is like, oh, that guy. And through this fucking series, we are going to see because this is one of the only facts that Games Workshop's never going to reveal what happened to them. So we get a bunch of these characters being like, ah, oh, remember the 11th? And it's like, no, we can't talk <laughs> about that, brother. And it's like, oh, you're right. We won't talk about it. And it's like, sons of bitches. And they do this a bunch. That is very this, strange. This is the first one of these cutesy, oh, should we talk about them? Oh, we're not going to talk about them. But we're going <laughs> to talk about them and wink at you a bunch. Do so. you think they actually have an idea of what happened to them or is it purely no. a device to like, get people? Yeah, I think at this point they can't like they are firmly aware that anything they make up will not pay off well. Yeah. So they just like, oh, we can't. Yeah. But we're going to just dance like around it a ton. Gurm is never going to finish those books. Right. It's like any ending <laughs> will be disappointed. Or how the Cylons definitely had a plan in Ballastar Galactica. <laughs> oh, wait. No, they didn't. Um. And then I like that. So Nazi Janus is explaining to him that it wasn't just a coincidence that all of the different uh, all the different Primarchs were scattered across the galaxy and landed on their separate planets. Um, and he was talking about, like, what do you think it's just by coincidence that you all landed on cradles of humanity and all these things? And he's like, what are you suggesting? He's like, I'm suggesting nothing. I'm telling you what happened. And I like Horace being like, maybe I'm being stupid. I don't know. So explain what you mean in plain words. <laughs> and I just like him getting real, just real fed up. Much like like father, like son. He doesn't have time for metaphor. He's no student of poetry. He cannot grasp these things. Um, yeah. But then we cut away to Keeler, who we haven't seen in a long time. Right. And Keeler is uh, enjoying her short hair, which I like that they point out that she's really, really, she runs her fingers through her hair and really likes how it feels short. It does like, feel good to have hey, short hair. Good for her. Um, and she's hanging out with, um, well, Titus Kasser, who, of course, you know, oh. is one of the princeps of the, <laughs> the Dias, Dias Irae. So... 
and that he is, of course, super into this uh, this cult of the emperor, but uh, is really happy that Keeler has shown up to sort of take over for him. So, um, but that he's pleased that uh, uh, Keeler's is a better speaker than he is, and and she's going to go tell everybody about that has time to listen to their about the God Emperor and everything. But then a couple of army soldiers show up and they're just real dicks because they're like, we know you've been all talking about the Emperor and really you should be talking about Horus and we're seeing mm-hmm. the split yeah. uh, on this thing. And they just start kicking the shit out of poor Kassar. Um, but and they do kind of a line like that. Shout, Titus shouted Keeler fighting like a wild cat and finally managed to free yeah. one arm. And it's like, uh, don't I know don't. Just say that she's fighting hard. It's fine. <laughs> she doesn't have to be like a wild cat. I don't remember if we actually talked about this last episode, but it is funny just how ready the entire universe was for religion, for a society <laughs> oh. that is so anti-religion. Yes. It's just the emperor thing. They've kind of built up. Right. Just instantly these soldiers are like, you should worship Horus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's dying. <laughs> it's a thing. Like the drop, anything happens. I uh-huh. feel like one of the premises of this entire series of books is that people crave religion right. <laughs> yeah it's really weird because they seem to have like a the authors or the whatever the studio mm-hmm. seems to have a very like pro-atheist agenda uh, and then they're like I but then maybe, that's, they that was my are. impression yeah now yeah. i'm thinking that maybe not i don't know that they do would you consider that i so can we talked about in the first book there was like that baby's first atheist yeah. sermon. I think they do like that's where I got the impression at least. I always get know. the vibe that the Warhammer 40k universe despite being full of gods is actually a very kind of atheisty setting. Maybe they're showing the evils of well because worship they're all, and deities. Yeah, and they're all gods in kind of like the Greeks like they're not gods like like a god that created the universe and everything. They're like these entities that showed up and are super powerful and people worship them because they can give you power but they're not like it's like some Cthulhu mm-hmm. shit, yeah. like the old ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have D&D. like a moral obligation to worship these entities. People just do for power and, and that they're all corrupting and terrible in their own way uh, sort of thing. Um, so she's going to get murdered. Yeah, everything going. And they call her an emperor loving witch, which is OK. Um, like we have slang already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're ready we didn't to have go. religion six weeks ago and now we've got <laughs> slang for religious people. Yeah, yeah. And superstition and everything just back with a vengeance. But then. Torgodden shows up and just immediately beats the shit out of a bunch of soldiers because, I mean, yeah, what are they going to do? He's a space marine Um, holding one up. And I like that he like beats the hell out of them and then like takes one of their name badge and rank. And he's like, I'm telling the discipline masters about you. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that was good before I do a murder. Um, He also has one of my favorite bits in here where he's just super jokesy in this one. And I do love it where. That, you know, she's doing the cute, like, I guess they didn't like the pictures I was taking. He's like, everyone's a critic, huh? And, like, ah, da, 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 da. and then they're like, I've been asked to take you back to the ventral spirit. You have? Why? Does it matter, Astorgodon? You're coming back with me. You can at least tell me who wants me back, can't you? No, it's top secret. Really? No, not really. It's Kyro Sinderman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's classic Torg. Classic Torgodon. Just being, being fun. And she's like all mad at him. It's like, oh, are you at the beck and call of the iterators now? And he's like, ah, it's a favor. I don't know. Like, let's let's get back. Let's get on the ship. <laughs> I'm doing a thing. So and he f- fetches her to bring her back to the ventral spirit. And presumably that will pay off later. But we get back to not Sejanus mm-hmm. telling Horus about the Primarchs and how 
the big reveal and the thing that's, I think, more important is that he claims that the Emperor dealt with the gods of the warp and that's where he got the power to make the primarchs. I mean, he can literally see him making the primarchs here with science. Well, but that he's claiming that part of that was tricking is that the, true? the gods. That he, uh, yes. Like later on, you find out that he has. I mean, this is spoilers for way later in this series. But okay. what Erebus is not entirely lying about what is going on. here. Yeah. So are we actually is are they actually there? Is this actually uh, the the golden? What do they call him? The golden something. Golden. Oh, when they see the emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, see, yeah. Is and that actually the emperor? I mean, that's the emperor shows up. But it is there. the emperor. Yeah. It's not like a vision of the emperor. Well, I don't. Yeah, that's the question. They leave it real vague. It's like, is this just a vision? But then he murders a bunch of people in right. it. And so it's like, did that happen? And right. if it did happen and the emperor shows up and sees, like, does the emperor not remember the time Horus showed up in his lab? Like right before <laughs> yeah. this happens. Well, that's what and I want to know. That makes it seem like it's not a real thing. But then, like, why have this? I also like, like a dreamscape built on Well, maybe fact he can't something. tell them apart. And he was like, I saw you 11. <laughs> That's what happened to 11. Uh, yeah, it was just the wrong one. He actually looked exactly like him, and it's all a mistake he of saw, identity. He saw him standing next to the 11. Uh-huh. Like, Capsule yeah. was like, oh, you're so 11. Now That's you. we Fuck know that what guy. happened. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Just cracked the code. They just got it all right there in this book. Yeah. Um, I had the same question about how true any of this was so that's good to know yeah i don't know if this is again it's hard to say whether this is a vision and they i feel we'll see the scene from a bunch of different things which makes me think it is a vision because in later books a lot of authors are like let's go back to this moment where all the primarchs are like grabbed and swept off into space did horse cause that i'm so confused they talk about it a bunch of times in a bunch of books and it's unclear um, because in later books, they have some different theories on it. And then I feel later in the series, they kind of retcon. OK, but there's one thing that is not in dispute is that this is the most golden honey. Oh, this is the golden most honeys. golden honey. Oh. The emperor is top golden honey for sure. Do you guys want to hear what he sounds oh, like? Oh, yeah. What's the emperor sound like? OK. The golden figure turned a puzzled gaze upon Horus. I know you, he said. And Horus wept to hear such a perfect symphony of sound. Yeah. Yes, said Horus, unable to raise his voice above a whisper. The giant cocked his head to one side and said, You would destroy my great works, but you will not succeed. I beg you, turn from this path, or all will be lost. Well, that's the emperor. There you go. That's... A little, it didn't put as much into the Emperor as I would have anticipated. Yeah. Considering how He's much it puts into. Yeah, yeah. All these things. Um, I also like, again, for the horse not grasping time travel. Of So it's like he's back. He knows he's at Terra when he was a wee bairn. Just a little baby in a test tube. And then he sees Constantine Valdor, who's like the head of the Emperor's like Praetorian Guard. His like const- his custodian guard. And he's like, Valdor, it's me. <laughs> Be cool. And it's like, you know, he wouldn't know you like if this is the past, he wouldn't know you as Horus or any of that. And he just seems like so confused why this guy is mad at him for being in like their super top secret lab. (laughs) This stranger shows up and they're like, why are you guys so mad at me? What's going on? (laughs) And it's like, oh, I thought you're the smartest man. Whatever. It's fine. Um, And we finally get a fight scene 
which I think Graham McNeil threw in. I honestly think this whole fight scene is just because he's realized we've had a lot of chapters without a fight scene. And so he's got to decapitate a bunch of people and tear their heads off and rip them in half and just murder the shit out of a bunch of people. Did we not have any? Hmm. I mean, no, not since this this whole section has just been vision quest after vision quest. I mean, I guess he's, some guys punched Cassar. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. kicked him a bit, but oh, okay. he shook that one guy until right. his neck broke. <laughs> yeah, there's not been any real proper fights. Yeah. Um, but yes, and it ends finally with him seeing that all the Primarchs are being swept away and he sees the Emperor's like, eh, OK, this is, I guess, it's going to be what it's going to be. And he's all mad that he let it happen and he let himself get swept up into this warp abyss um, and, and bam. And that is where we get to the end of this section. So dramatic stuff, dramatic reveals Mm -hmm. in this sort of thing. So yeah, where are we? What are people thinking going forward here? Think, uh, think, think horse is going to see the air of his ways, really figure out that, uh, he's being sort of a dick and is going to really turn it around. Well, there was no prophecy that told us exactly what's going to (laughs) happen. Like we can't make sense of that. I mean, there's a prophecy, but I, I couldn't hope to interpret it about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that could you, be Emmy Horace. It's oh, so it's not little Horace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want the next scene of Loken and Little Horace meeting. It's like I know what you're up to, Little Horace. I read it in a book. But yeah, so we're we're getting on to the end. We're really starting to see what who are the false gods that this book, the eponymous false gods. Now it's like, ooh, are they the these chaos gods or are they the uh, uh, it was the emperor, the false god. So, ooh, mysterious. How they're going to end it. One of the advantages of doing these smaller sections is we have a little time. Um, so we've been getting some emails, which I really appreciate. All of you, please send in any comments, emails that you have. We love reading them. We love seeing what you got. But most importantly, sort of a mysterious email. Um, last episode, we sort of made fun of a little bit. We poked, as we say, we poke loving fun at some of these things that uh, that. Everyone sort of lost their shit immediately when Horace got hurt and like how fast everyone like just went into panic and terror. And uh, apparently other people have thought that as well. So an inside source has sent us a little clip of one of the upcoming projects where oh, they, this is from the TV show, the TV show. Yeah, the upcoming TV show. We got you know, we, we have some people in the industry um, and I think with the writer's strike going on, they have a lot more time to like get a lot of these things. But fortunately, apparently production started on some of these, um, but uh, they thought the same thing. And we have a little, little section that I think they wanted to, to flesh that out, that idea out a little more, something they had a little more time for in the show. So um, uh, so Shannon, I think, has the clip. Uh, yep, ready I got it right here. That we can we can bring up uh, here. So um, yeah, um, we'll we'll just get it going. It'll be real exciting for folks. So sons, gather unto me, and I shall lay out my plan wherein we will utterly crush our foes. Unfortunately, Loken and Torgaden can't join us today as they are doing an escape room together, which Loken says will, quote, blow this whole thing wide open, unquote. Whatever that means. Anyways, Abaddon, is the spear tip ready? Aye, my lord. We are prepared to bring death to any who oppose you. Ha! I admire your collar. Little Horus, are your squads prepared? Of course, my Primarch. Just give the command. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, let me just move my wine class here and I'll explain the... Oh, Damn it, I, I spilled my wine. Oh, what? Lord, what? Lord what? your wine! He, 
He spilled the wine! Oh, my sons, it's just spilled wine. Really, I, I'm all right. He spilled his wine! What will he do? All is lost! Sons, sons, look, 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 I have a, a towel here. I'm cleaning it up. Everything will be all right. Is, is it all okay now, father? Yes, my son, yes. Now, 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 let's get back to the plan. Abaddon, you will attack here with the... Oh, oh, that hurts by the throne. Don't, don't you hate it when you hit your funny bone? It's it's just the worst. He hurt his funny bone! Uh, father is dying! This is the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody! Uh, for fuck's sake, son, sons, sons, I'm well. I'm uninjured. I just hit my elbow. Shh. <laughs> now, Abaddon, little Horus, who are my brave little Astartes? Hmm? Who are my best brave little soldiers? We, we, we are. Yes, yes, you are. Now, now, tell me what's wrong. Whenever you hurt yourself, we just get so, so. What is the word, little Horus? Yeah, uh, what is the thing when you get really nervous about something bad happening? Uh, you there, Cinderman, you're the iterator. What is that feeling? I believe you're referring to fear, sir. No, no, not that one. We're not built for it. It's the one where your heart beats super fast and you breathe hard and you get all shaky. Uh, oh, anger. Is it? Is it anger? I get that one all the time. No, no, not quite. It's like that, but it's when you want to get away from the thing. Hmm. Fear. You're describing fear. Silly mortal, we Astraites don't know not fear. No, this must be some new emotion. It's like being sad, but also being angry. That's fear. Yes, angry sad, we will call it. So father, when you hurt yourself, you were just overwhelmed with this feeling of anger sad. Fear. Oh, my sons, your feelings of angry sad are touching. But there's nothing to angry sad but angry sad itself. I assure you I will live to fight a thousand more battles. Now let us get back. Back to the plan. Back at the table here. Oh, damn it. Who left their bolter here? Abaddon? He, he, he stubbed he stubbed his toe. Everything's ruined forever. No. <laughs> that is, that is riveting. Riveting. I, uh. I, you know, every, every little clip I hear, I was initially a little worried about whether this series would be in good hands, but. I'm confident now. I'm excited because I don't know, as we know from our references, I don't know modern actors all that well. I'm really curious to know who these thespians <laughs> are behind are these voices. I don't recognize any of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe they're getting some some lesser known known mm-hmm. people. But uh, I really respect yeah. that. It makes yeah. me happy whenever yeah. studios do that. Yeah. The yeah. pathos, though, is mm. clear uh, <laughs> in these sort of things. You can really so. feel the emotion mm. coming through. It held through, yes. And the writing is the anger, <laughs> angry uh, just yeah. top, top notch, notch. Yeah. top notch. Uh, I love all of that. So, um, but yeah, that uh, that sort of wraps us up here uh, for this episode. So we just read through chapter sixteen. We're going to be or through chapter fifteen. We, we yes, we just read fifteen. Yes, so we are going to be reading 16, 17, and 18 for next episode. So everyone read those if you're following along at home. Um, we have two more episodes before the end of False Gods. Um, if you want to start you know, getting prepared, acquiring your books, uh, we will be going directly from False Gods into the next book, Galaxy and Flames, which wraps up sort of the trilogy of these first books. But uh, you have plenty of time to get that. But chapter 16 through 18 for next time. Um, and in the meantime, uh, Henry... Henry out there, I know, I know you're listening. Um, I don't suppose, uh, you know, you know anyone in the industry looking for uh, 
a hypothetical group of talented voice actors to uh, do any projects uh, that you may have a hand in. But if so, we we may have a lead on some people that are very talented. After the SAG strike, of course. Yes, yes, yes. obviously, obviously uh, they would be wanting to get in on that. So um, anyway, let us know. Thank so... And thank plugs. you for listening to. Oh, thank you for listening to our plugs, which we're going to do first. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, stick around for Steam just three less. more minutes. Seamless connection. <laughs> this is the best. Uh, Eric, Eric, what you got for us? Okay, so um, EricStrangeFellow.com. Eric with a K. I'll just go through that. But I also wanted to say um, the other night I was looking for something totally unrelated to Warhammer. That sounds like I'm being cute, but I really was totally unrelated. <laughs> I found this blacksmith on Etsy. And I was looking at like some fantasy helmets and stuff that they make. Um, and as I was going through like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones helms, I suddenly started finding Warhammer oh. helms. So I wouldn't give a plug to the the Dragon Workshop on Etsy. Huh. Um, I want a Warhammer helmet. <laughs> you can have one for like 200 bucks. Well, just immediately there. writing that I down. I am going to it right now on the internet, yes. And I assume it's metal. It could be like a polymer or something, but it looks to be... <gasps> There's metal. a Custodes helm. <laughs> so that's like one of the first things. That was actually, I uh, pat myself on the back moment because I was flipping through and it doesn't necessarily, if you look at that, it doesn't look like any of the illustrations I've seen like on the book. And I was like... Custodes? Is that a Warhammer yeah. thing? Let me dig in a little deeper. Look so. at you recognizing that fake Latin. I'm no longer at zero. Yeah. I don't know how high I am. <laughs> so many Ks. Oh, we need to do a recalibration. Yeah, of like where, where folks at with Ks. Anyway, this is all cool stuff. So I recommend that too. Um, Sarah? Uh, I have a website. There's nothing new on it. <laughs> but you can go there if you want. Um, I'll also just plug our social media that Shannon has been doing a great job of running, mm-hmm. and people should send us memes, art jokes about these books. Uh, we'll oh, put we, it up there. Yeah, we got to get those memes. We uh, oh, we went right. real hard I'll put those up. into I'll put memes. Those up today. I just forgot we had them. Today. We lost our mind the other evening <laughs> in our Discord just chat, making stupid memes. And yeah. he mostly <laughs> means just us. I mean, Sarah Sarah participated as well. Yeah, yeah. but um, did, did you make any? I don't know memes. I don't know what memes. <laughs> I was really like happy for you all and really like, oh, this is all fun. I really oh. wish I knew how yeah. memes work. Poor Eric is just enduring. Yeah, just oh, meme is. after meme. I mean, most of the, like, literally, this is how bad I am. I think 90% of the meme formats you put up, I was like, I've never seen that format before. Like, I don't. <laughs> I will point out these You've are invented these formats as far as I these know. These are very, you know. yeah. Uh, we'll plug, post some. Plug yeah. for imageflip.com. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the meme generator. This is actually yeah. Eric is going to be very disappointed looking into memes later and realizing that it we took did us not. all two seconds. This is yeah. like this is like you're all my Horace, where I'm attributing all of these memes to you. Like, they really we had to use the chaos to do that. <laughs> it's amazing you found all these cool clips from shows and stuff to pull this from just so fast. So it's amazing. As someone who's I, not real on board with social media, if you were to tell me that social media was created by chaos deities hidden in some kind of evil hellscape, I'd be like, yeah. That is where Facebook that does sound right. I think that's terrifically far off. Uh, obviously, Tabletop Game and Hobby in Overland Park area, and you're interested in nerd stuff. We have Warhammer, but we have lots beyond Warhammer. We do Dungeons and Dragons and board games and other role-playing games and all it's this cool story. stuff. Yeah, I love it. Um, also, just because I've been obsessed with it, um, 
many of you out there in listener land will be familiar with Chuck Tingle. Um, Chuck Tingle is famous for writing Christ. some very bizarre, <laughs> weird books. Um, and now we're just watching you know, whatever. Plug in whatever we want. We're just whatever we're into. We're into talented uh, artists. But uh, he has written. <laughs> yes. He has written a couple of very clever. There's a reason why Eric books. is laughing so hard. There's a, a divide. For the record, I love Chuck Tingle titles, but I the book of Chuck's that I read was <laughs> really Tingle. difficult for me to get. He through. was in a, a book club. Where they had to read the Harry Potter one, and that's Harriet scarred him. Two of the characters are motorcycles. I just can't. I can't. I can't follow you down that road. <laughs> a motorcycle can't be a character now. Okay, <laughs> that's how I felt reading the whole thing. I'm like, am I wrong? Am I? I so have a of view. Yes, I know. <laughs> but Chuck has written a pair of like quote unquote serious horror novels, um, and I just read Straight, and there's another one called Camp Damascus, and Straight I can recommend unreservedly. And it Camp does Damascus. sound really good. From someone who's before said that Chuck Tingle's the worst author he's ever read, straight sounds really good. This is, is very good. And then the other one I'll read, and, and I will probably recommend that as well. Anyway, that's all I got. Can I say something about our social media? Yes. And your store, kind of. Ooh. Um, you mentioned last time that people have been coming in and saying nice things about the show to you. They have been. Um, I'll just say that social media, I mean, I don't get to hear those things. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have something nice to say... I'll just pander or whatever and say, please put it on oh, Instagram yeah. and I'll look at it every three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll make the little type the little face on there if that's what it takes. So, yeah, folks at home, I love people coming in and telling me how great it is. But I have three co-hosts that don't get to hear that directly. They get to hear it from me, which isn't as satisfying. So, you don't have to be clever to say, say I liked it. OK. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, you liked it. OK. Yeah. If you shoot us an email, we'll, we can read it. Put it up on the thing. Anyway, great. All right, now for realsies. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to <laughs> Zero to 40K. Walter knew Warhammer real well, so he seized every opportunity to tell anyone he could about the books, but no one ever gave them a second look. So he thought, hey, I'll start a podcast. And he gathered around him together at last. Three friends willing to jump into the fray and go from zero to 40k. Zero to 40K was created by our war master, Walter Stewart. Production by Administrator Shane and Tierney. Music by Eric Strangefellow. Special thanks to Sarah Fecky. Check out everything we're up to at 0240k.com.